Hi, I'm uh, Nico Kaklis. I'm uh, President and CEO of Blue Sky Uranium. And what our company is working on, we have a very unique opportunity in southern Argentina in which we are, are discovered, we have discovered and we're developing what has the potential to rank amongst the largest uranium districts in the world with some of the lowest operating costs. Nico, good to see you. It's been a while. Um, about two years, I think, uh, since we last saw you. Um, but it's different times, um, different market, completely for uranium. Obviously, Sprott and Sput are doing their thing, and uh, the uh, spot price too, uh, up to around 63 bucks. A uh, bit of an easier environment now, isn't it? Well, in indeed it is. And, uh, you know, the neat thing about what we've been working on back, we did a, um, when we made our discovery, our initial deposit, uh, in southern Argentina, the first thing we did was ask the question, is this deposit economic in this environment? And this is at a time when spot price was $20 a pound. So, because that would make a difference as to how aggressively we move the project forward. So we did a preliminary economic analysis at that time. And what we found is uh, that we could, if the project had been in production, um, it would a pound of uranium would cost just over $16 a pound in order to be uh, to break even in terms of cash costs and including all the all-in sustaining costs could just over $18 a pound. So if it was potentially economic at that time at $63 a pound, you know, I'm smiling. <laughs> it, it, despite inflation, you still be smiling, I, I suspect. Um, yeah. Well, so um, talk to me about the, where you are with the study stage. Have you advanced to that at all? That was the 2019 PEA. Have, have you been doing any more work since we last spoke? Yes, we have. I mean, the the, the purpose, of course, of that time, the P, the purpose of doing doing a PEA at that time, I guess, like, like I stated, was to determine the competitiveness of our project in that environment. The next stage is the stage that we're in right now is can we identify and find additional uh, uh, uranium pounds, whether it, either in the deposit itself or in the surrounding area. We, ideally, what we would want is uh, uh, to have uh, satellite deposits within a, a cluster of about 30 kilometer radius zone and be able to run that out of one fixed infrastructure in, in terms of production. So we have stepped out uh, we uh, just wrapped up, in fact, a, a drill program on our deposit with a twofold objective. One was to uh, do a, a number of infill holes in order to uh, tighten it up and uh, upgrade the quality of the resource, the confidence in that resource. And the second thing, of course, at the same time was to step out. And it was only a couple of days ago that we announced that we stepped out uh, a step out hole one and a half kilometers from our deposit and returned back grades of uranium that were five times what we were seeing uh, on the average of the PEA. So, so yes, this deposit is, is increasing. Uh, we are finding more uranium and we're continually uh, aggressively uh, drilling in the vicinity uh, to continue to do that. Okay, so and I do, I do want to get onto that. Um, I, do, um, but I want to kind of deal with some of the things where people you know, perceive like road, roadblocks. Right, doing business in Argentina, you're part of the Grosso group. You, you guys as a group have um, built mines um, before and you can do business in country. Um, so can you just, well, give us, give us an electronic, give me some sort of confidence about your ability to continue to do business in, in Argentina, given the nature of what you're doing now, you know, precious metals is one thing, but you know, uranium, what, 
How do they feel about uranium mines in Argentina? Well, the Grosser Group, like you stated, I've been with the Grosser Group since the very beginning, back in 1993. That's nearly 30 years now. And we have, uh, under the stewardship of Joe Grosso, of course, uh, um, have a tremendous profile in that country. We have a lot of success in Argentina, having made four major discoveries, and all the way from discovery right up to production. And uh, that helps us, it gives us a competitive advantage and opens up many doors and uh, so that we can have discussions with locals, politicians, and so forth. In terms of the uranium and nuclear materials, what most investors uh, are not aware of is that Argentina itself is a nuclear country. They have a very sophisticated and extremely well-developed nuclear uh, industry. Uh, they've been active in the business since the 50s, almost as long as the United States has. Uh, and they actually are involved in every facet of the nuclear cycle, except right now, there's no production of uranium. And what's significant uh, for us about that is uh, two points. Number one, when all the laws and regulations for handling and moving uh, radioactive materials around the country, they're already implemented. They're already there. We don't have to wait for that. That could be a, a very long process to see a country do that. So that's all there. So, and, and in speaking with uh, mining ministers, uh, putting a uranium mine into production is no different. It will be in Argentina is regarded no different than putting into production a gold project or, or, or a copper project. And especially something as simple as what we have, which is which we can talk about later, which will be more akin to um, a gravel operation because there's no blasting and drilling required. And the second thing, of course, is as Argentina imports all the need for uranium right now, and they've paid upwards of $70, $75 a pound, and they've been paying that even when uranium price was at $20, uh, this sets up our company as the with the largest and most advanced project currently in Argentina to become Argentina's first domestic supplier for uranium. And that's a business objective and an opportunity that we are pursuing right now. And so when you say like the full nuclear cycle, do they, do they enrich their own uranium? Yes. In fact, there's a pilot enrichment plant in the same province, 200 kilometers east from our project. Uh, if you can put a pilot enrichment plant in the country, putting a, a you know a, a uranium mine into production is not a contentious issue. Well, that's where I was going next. Actually, it's one thing that you know at federal level getting approval, but obviously it's state driven down there, and so that you're you're in a state which is pro uranium. That's what you're saying. Very much so. In fact, the state uh, is a fifty percent owner of uh, what we call here in Canada, I guess in the, in the UK to a Crown Corporation, uh, which is a, an engineering company that um, manufactures and builds small modular reactor, reactors. They uh, do all kinds of uranium and nuclear research and they're extremely well regarded throughout the world. So um, a very supportive, very understanding of what we do and, and we're working very closely with them. Right. Okay. So PEA in place, you, you've been doing a little bit of work, but obviously in, 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 in different environment. Talk to me about the balance sheet um, as, as it stands today and you know what you're going to do to be able to kind of advance this project forward. Well, the nice thing about this deposit and, and this uranium uh, district here is that the, the mineralization all starts at surface. Uh, our Ivana deposit currently has just under 23 million pounds of uranium and 11 and a half million pounds of vanadium. And it all sits within the first 15 to 20 meters, starting from surface. 
there there's there definitely is uh potential to go at depth but right now we're focused really on the easy stuff uh that's at surface and uh so what that means it means exploration is extremely low cost when we do a drill program we announced uh, three or four thousand meters of drilling the holes typically don't go deeper than 30 meters so you get a lot of holes there and you're able to test and understand a lot of ground so our balance sheet right now we're we're funded uh to tune of about a million we've got right now about another million and a half uh, dollars canadian and i think we'd be looking uh i'd like to cash up another couple million dollars to be able to complete uh our exploration objectives for the next uh, uh four or five months and in the summer uh we plan to begin to shift the company towards pre-feasibility study and that's a a different animal uh and a different cost and it's something we would um fund at that time right okay so that's where you're at now another couple of million bucks kind of deals with the exploration commitments that you've that you've got in place um if you do move forward at that point with the PFS, I mean, because it, like it's it's a of a certain so it's, it's okay. I get the lowest quartile stuff, maybe even lowest decile um, in ASEC, but it, it's it's of a certain size. Do you feel that you need to, is two million bucks going to allow you to kind of get it to to a, a size which is you know can be global, or is this a slightly more provincial play in the sense that you only really need to kind of feed into the Argentine uh, demand. The Argentine demand right now is around half a million pounds a year, and it's and as they're building more nuclear reactors there right now, it's projected to go up to about a million pounds a year. And uh, uh, with uh, according to our PEA, um, we would be able to to supply uh, that with the current re small resource that we have right now, and then also be in a position to be net exporters. Now our goal is we've got four well-defined additional targets that we're currently testing. And the idea is, could we find three or four or five additional Ivana deposits, you know, like what we have now? Because these deposits geologically uh, are is, is very similar to the kinds of deposits that we see in Kazakhstan. They've got the same kind of geological uh, for formation. And in Kazakhstan, what we see, the deposits there, could the, the grades are the same, but they go up to 240, 250 million pounds. They can be absolutely ginormous. And where we're operating in, we're just, we just got started uh, at the southern end of this district that we control. There's over 300,000 hectares of property. The district itself spans a length of 145 kilometers by 50 kilometer wide. It's enormous. So the potential, and we know that there's mineralization of uranium throughout this entire district because we've been able to work on it over the last 15 years and now we know where we're honing in and we're feeling fairly confident we're going to be able to find additional resources the question is are we going to find another 20 50 or 100 million pounds uh you know that's kind of where we're heading well and also the, the cost of finding those extra pounds i, I guess is you know deep deep, deep in your uh, consciousness um because look, you're a sixty million odd dollar company um, at the moment. It's been a, it's been a rough few years for uranium companies, but they've kind of seen with we mentioned at the beginning with 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 Sprott last sort of August September coming in. There was a little bump in the marketplace. I think recently Sprott's buying again and again. Uranium junior, junior exploration companies are seeing the benefit of that in, in in the share price. But at some point, you've got to take control of what you need to do, right? So one that sounds like raising another couple of million bucks on the exploration, and two being clear with the market about what you're business model, isn't it? It seems to be 
show and demonstrate scale. So exploration, let's say you deal with that by the middle of this year, when would you be going out and trying to sort of, I guess, up your game, show that you could be a net exporter? That's, I think that's what people want to see, some, yeah. some ambition, as it were. No, absolutely. Uh, the next uh, four or five months are, are, are truly focused on exploration because I think at this point, if we can take this from a 23 million pound company to a 50 or 75 million pound company, it, it changes the complexion, it'll change our valuation. And the, the cost of doing something like that to the tune of a couple of million dollars, I think the return potentially is is enormous for our shareholders. And I, I feel that we owe that to our shareholders to test some of these immediate targets. And then that's why very quickly we're looking towards uh, taking uh, hold of what we've uncovered and then moving that towards pre-feasibility study. Now that's a study that'll last uh, 10 months to 12 months. And at the end of which, you know, we could be at a position where we can make a production decision. Now, that's production is a different story. Production, uh, although the engineering studies we've done to date uh, appear to be simple and we could probably do this, I would feel much more comfortable pairing up with a large, experienced uranium producer and either we, we, you know, it's a deal to be made at the time. Whether you joint venture it, whether you sell some of it, sell all of it, it, it all depends on the on the economic circumstances. Perfect. Okay, that's where we, we, where I was going because you know, if I speak to some of the industry uh, players, have been around the block a bit and been around for a long time, talking about getting to production and getting into production with the re- prerequisite skill sets needed. Two two different things. I think some people are going to find out the hard hard way. Uh, say some of these in- industry insiders. So your your view is to kind of take this through um, a, a study uh, phase, whether it be pre phase or maybe onto fe- feasibility stage, and then partner up with some sort of not. Industry strategic problem, not just for the money, but for the skills that they can bring in. That, that's where you go. That's right. That's right. There's, there's skills, there's different kind of political clout, there's knowledge and a better intrinsic knowledge of uh, the uranium market on a global scale. It's something that, you know, we're very good at, at exploration. Uh, we understand engineering. We can do a pre feasibility study. But beyond that, uh, I, you know, I've been in this industry for 30 years. Uh, we know where our limitations are in terms of our skill set. Best value for our shareholders is to mitigate that risk with an experienced uranium producer. Okay, so you know what you know and you know what you don't know. I think it's the yeah. cliche. Um, <laughs> so, which is great, right? Some people yeah. try and fake it till they make it. So, no, I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, okay, so you've got you've got the three discoveries at the moment. Obviously, Santa Barbara and and uh, and Avala, which you've talked about some of the numbers on. The idea is to kind of build out more of these sunny satellite. Um, assets. Um, what sort of scale do you think you're going to need to attract said strategic partner? Well, to attract a strategic partner like that, I think another, you know, 20, 25 million pounds, so that 50 million pound mark, I think is kind of the, the, the magic number where the project begins to really show its world scale potential. And, and, and that, what I want to demonstrate is n- not necessarily to get to the highest amount of uh, ounce, uh, pounds possible, but to show how quickly and easily we can find them because we're talking about an area of 20 kilometers in the southern end of this trend. The balance of the trend, well, we can't go developing this entire trend. These these districts in Kazakhstan, they were developed over a period of 50 years, but having a good solid uh, base to start from 
and then you can begin to over time develop the rest of it. But I think it would demonstrate that this entire district has got potential to be 200, 250 million pounds. That's what we're trying to show. Right. So you, you, you did say the number. I guess that what I was trying to get to was a case of um, how much money do you think you're going to need to spend to get to that magic number? Um, and you know, say the market is moving for you, um, but you're going to be quite keen to do this as quickly as possible because the, you know the way that these cycles work and the way that um, producers get term funded for getting into production is based on term sheets. And you know, there's a bunch of developers trying to get into the, the, this front end cycle. So. What pace do you think you need to work, or do you want to? Feel, you feel comfortable working at? I think I think over the next four or five months, we could be in a position where we'll have tested all these targets. Okay, it, it's, it'll be very very quick, and it won't be that costly. Okay, so that comes back to that two million component. Fine. Okay, that's correct. Yeah. In- interesting times. Um, right. I, 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 I'm trying to think where. I'm, just a little bit on the macro again, because you've got to you've got to have a sort of understanding of it to work out um, where these come, when, when, and where these conversations need to happen. So, what's, what's your take on obviously what's going on? The U.S. talking about um, sanctions on the on enriching uranium out of uh, Russia. You've got the African developers poised and ready to wear the next taxis off the rank, and you've got the North American. Well, you've got U- U.S. trying to work out who, who the friends are and, and are not. Um, if they are to, you know, sanction uh, Russia, so it's a very sort of complicated environment. So North American relations with um, Argentina seem quite good. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, it, it's quite good. You know, Western Hemisphere it's part of uh, North Americans' backyard, so to speak, or you know, or, or welcome mat, whichever way you want to you want to look at it. Um, I, I think the whole the whole demand for uranium uh, has been happening now for a number of years, uh, three or four years, right now. Is what we're seeing, and and I think that the the primary driver underpinning this demand is the requirement to have stable, safe, secure, and carbon-free generation of electricity. And you know, while there's a role there for other renewables like uh, wind power or solar power. They don't can't provide that baseload consistent energy that uh, nuclear energy can provide, and it's becoming more and more accepted on a global scale, global basis. And that's really on the long term what's really driving this. Uh, there are other factors like you like you pointed out. There's the the Sprott Uranium Fund and other financial players now that are dabbling in the market, and uh, because the market itself is is you know the volume is so small it, it's easy to to manipulate not manipulate it but to 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 shrink it and to to cause spikes to happen and now we're seeing geopolitical tensions in Kazakhstan there was which supply has been supplying nearly 50% of the world's uranium uh, there was a geopolitical there was a political crisis there that caused another spike in the price of uranium and now Russia is the other one uh, there, there's all kinds of things happening around the world that are uh, limiting the supply of uranium and causing, uh, you know, nations in the in, in, in the Western world here to seek um, safe suppliers and you know dependent suppliers of uranium for the uranium needs. I mean, I just read this morning that uh, um, in the UK, for example, their their aims by that's right. There's more. Uh, uranium uh, reactors being built, and they aim to have a 25% of base load power provided by nuclear. 
Yeah. Uh, by, by, by 2030. 20, yeah, yeah. W w one a year uh, until 2020, uh, 2030. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, like the whole year, I mean, we have a weekly energy show and we would talk about uranium every week for the last, you know, 10 and a half sure. years. It's been, it's been a great ride um, in terms of understanding all the geopolitics of it all for, for, for sure. And you've, you've identified and pointed out some of the, some of the things which may affect price going forward too. And, and geopolitics is, 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 is definitely, definitely part of that. Um, like, can, can, just, just in terms, you keep referencing it's like Kazakhstan, it's like Kazakhstan. It, so, I mean, Kazakhstan is predominantly ISR, right? So in, in what sense do you mean it's like, it's like Kazakhstan? Is this a, an ISR? Project? Uh, there's potential for ISR uh, on this project, but Kazakhstan, there are sandstone type deposits and, and, they're, and they're deep. In, in our case, they're more exposed at surface with more stacked layers going deep. So because it's at surface and the, the, the ground there is uh, unconsolidated or loosely consolidated, you just scoop it up. Okay, okay. It, it's very simple. We don't need, there, there are other areas within our uh, land package that are perspective for deeper ISR types of uranium deposits, but we have encountered an area that has been eroded on the top that is sitting basically sitting at the top, and that's what makes it extremely uh, competitive. It's the the ox oxidized nature, okay. Right. And also, in terms of the, um, I guess the vanadium component is is quite big in this too. And obviously, vanadium price has gone on a little bit of a run at the moment. That's 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 got to be good news for the next study, I suspect. That is good news. I mean, the the, the mineralization that we're seeing there is in a mineral called carnotite, and carnotite is a, a uranium and vanadium mineral. So when we try to extract the uranium, it, it simultaneously precipitates the vanadium. So you get that as a credit. And currently in the PEA, it added anywhere between 5 and 10% of the value came from vanadium. And depending on the price of vanadium, like you said, the vanadium is going up, uh, that has potential to add more. And the additional drilling that we have been doing, we're actually finding that the overall component of vanadium is, is now averaging higher than what was uh, initially inputted into the PEA. So potentially there's even more value uh, to be had there from the vanadium component than was originally anticipated. Okay. Yeah. No, th I think that, that could be interesting. Well, certainly when oh, PEA plus or minus 30% on the economics. So it, it, it was the PFS, I guess, we'll kind of start firming up, put a, put a flag in the sand for people to look right. at. It, you know, and, that, and that comes back to these strategics um, because do you think that your the, the pool availability will be limited because of the Argentine factor, or is it easy to you know get money out of country now? Is that is it's a well understood process? Um, because obviously, you, you know, we this new, new government is so, you, yeah, you, it's it, you can get money into the country and you can get money out right. of the country, and we, we've seen that. Um, over the past 30 years, when they had stricter export controls 10 years ago with a sister company, we're, you know, and we're putting a, a project, a gold project, a silver project into production, it was no problem to get money in and out of the country as well. Okay. And uh, what, what would you say, these kind of, um, the little bumps along the road that you, 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 you know, money's tricky, you got it, there's always bumps along the road. What, what are the things that you want to overcome? You've got the exploration, I get it, but that's, that's, that, that's searching for scale and, and grade and, and that's all good. But what, what else are you having to sort of be mindful of? Well, there's always exploration risk. Uh, I think we mitigate the, any political risk because uh, as Grosser Group, we've been there for 30 years. 
uh, and one of the pioneers of uh, getting mining going in, in Argentina, uh, extremely well respected, well connected. And, and what we see also is that no matter what stripe of uh, politician or takes over in Argentina, the one consistent theme has always been uh, strong support for mining industry because it is a revenue generator and it's ex extremely underdeveloped in Argentina. So um, other risks are, uh, I, I, what what other risks could there be? I mean, there, there's market risks. Uh, it, it seems like a fairly straightforward process. Socialism, socialism seems to be the big one of the day for South America as usual. Um, it, it obviously, well, t tell us a bit about that because you must get that thrown at you a lot. Well, socialism, I mean, We've seen governments from the left and governments of the right come in and go, and, and, and often politicians, uh, they say that they've got, they got their blinker on to turn left and they turn right afterwards. Politicians say what they need in order to get elected, and we respect that. And uh, but they also know that when, uh, you know you don't you don't sacrifice the cash cow, which is you know royalties from a mining uh, project. So we have seen that time and time again. We respect that. Um, we respect that we are uh, operating in Argentina as a country. We are a foreign company that's operating there. We have a big component of uh, staff in Argentina. Uh, we're respectful and we try to stay out of the, the political uh, spectrum and, and and try to respect every government that comes in. So, and with regards to, because um, we're seeing this up in, in, in Chile and Peru and Colombia and Ecuador and lots of different places where, um, again, talk, talk, talk of socialism leads to oh, nationalization or significantly significantly taxing some of these foreign direct investment companies. Um, what's, the, what's the case in Argentina? No, we don't see that because I think a significant taxing in there would, would have a very negative impact on, on the mining industry. And uh, so that's that I don't see that happening in the cards. Our, our um, experts on the ground there indicate that that doesn't happen there. Argentina, for all its uh, you know quirks, is uh, an extremely uh, educated population base and uh, uh, they're well read, they're smart people. And uh, when we work with them, uh, I think politicians can do funny things, but people are not so easily fooled, though. That's true of any country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like to think. Um, well, look, Nick, I, um, look, look, thanks for the kind of overview of you know, what, what you're trying to do. And it sounds like with the exploration program, there'll be something to talk about over the next few months. Um, and hopefully it delivers what you want, as you say. Um, so look, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Exciting times in the uranium space. Uh, we need all of the above to get into production to meet the demand. So um, we'll uh, we'll be watching. No, absolutely. I think it's a very exciting time. It's, it's it's great to see the price of uranium going up, and it's bringing in a lot of new investors and institutional investors into the into the space. And it's having an effect on all, you know, all the companies are rising. But beyond that, I think companies like ours that are uh, stepping out and drilling and exploring and testing new targets, these are the real uh, big value drivers for, for companies. And I think, you know, as you uncover more uranium pounds and you get revalued in new discoveries, that's very exciting. And it's a, and potentially extremely rewarding for shareholders.